Please be advised, the following program contains some adult themes and content. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. I'm John Aldridge, and you're listening to 365 Days of Sport. 365 Days of Sport. Yes, it's time of the week again. Welcome to the Sexual Innuendo Club. Thank you all for coming. What? Yes, happy Tuesday, people. It's time for the greatest sports radio show on the planet. Yes, happy Tuesday, everybody. Time for the Jack Link's Beef Turkey 365 Days of Sport radio show. Tubes, what's happening? Well, I just got that joke. Did I, you? It, it, took, it took me a little while. Took you a little while. That's okay. The end. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm doing all right, thanks. Um, Good. Bit of a story developing, actually. Just j- just got the news in that uh, England's Paul Jubb has just taken a one-set lead against Nick Kyrgios in the Wimbledon first round. So we've Paul bit- Jubb? Paul Jubb, yeah. Never so heard of him. Bit of an ashes of tennis going on there. So right. Keep an eye on that, well, you know, Kyrgios claims he's going to win. He's, he's going to win the whole thing. He's, I mean, you know, he's got some talent. He likes the grass. But, uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see if he converts. Does it. he he's, like he's, the grass? He's already struggling this year. Right. Yeah, so... Um, Right, one set. Now, I did see there was a Welsh girl who's about 14. I see. Got... I don't know if she's in the main drive and followed it. She was in the qualifiers. She had she had to win two games and she would have got in the tournament. So right, well, I don't know. The, the, she's got a. I think she's called Woo or Zoo or something as well. Okay, there Mimi are, Zoo. There I are think. a few British names that I didn't recognise this year, but I haven't got around to doing doing the usual thing of checking which ones are English, which ones are Welsh. Yeah, you know, looking out for those. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I'll, when, I'll, I'll maybe look into when that I later. was uh, doing uh, some other stints on other radio stations. We used to follow the progress of Welsh tennis. Absolutely. And I think the highest ranked Welsh tennis player was at 11, what, 11.30 in the world. <laughs> I, th- I can't remember the guy's name. Evan... Uh, Evan Hoyt. Was, Evan Hoyt, yeah. that's him, yeah. I think he did get up a bit higher than that, yeah, because uh, the, the name rings a bell, and I remember noticing that he was Welsh, but uh, never quite broke into that sort of top 200, you know, the uh, no, real upper echelons. No, he struggled to get in the top 1,200, let alone <laughs> the top 200. So, yeah, uh, Evan Hoyt. But there was another one, I think... I think usurped him, and he, I think he got up to the dizzy heights of seven hundred. I see. Wow. As well, I can't. I think he was called um, John Lloyd, David Lloyd, or something. I don't know. We're still we're, we're still waiting for that big sort of Welsh tennis breakthrough, aren't we? It's... Well, since J.P.R. Williams won Junior Wimbledon, I don't think we've had another one. Is that true? Yeah. Really? J.P.R. Williams won Junior Wimbledon. Oh yeah. wow! Such a shame he chose rugby. Such a shame he chose <laughs> chose rugby. Yes. Um, wow. That's why on superstars. Uh-huh. Well, I think they binned the tennis in the end. Because he was, yeah. Because he, he, he used good. to win the tennis side of rounder. things. Yeah. Superstars. Why don't they bring it back, Tubes? I reckon in Australia it would go well. I think that's the kind I, of thing that yeah. Channel 7 or Channel 9 would would really love to put on. Yeah, mm, There's too, too much money in sport. That's that's the thing. They don't want to get injured. Yeah, it's got to be sort of retired people, hasn't it, but who, are, <laughs> who, are, who are still fit. You, I think you, that's you, the challenge. You don't get people at their peak anymore, do you? No, no. I don't think. If you yeah. don't know what we're talking about in terms of superstars, what they did in Britain in the late 70s, early 80s was got basically the top sports stars going around mm. from yeah. a whole variety of sports. Yeah. And they basically got them to do a whole host of athletic challenges. Yeah. Simple as that. Um there was a judo guy called Brian Jacks, yeah, he, and he, he used to do the squat thrusts and the dips. He was the man. Th- that was, I mean, that sort of made his career. He's more famous for that than anything else, yes. isn't he, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forget the name, but there was a, a, a women's hockey player who was, who was, oh. who was quite dominant at, 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 at okay. Superstars. Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, you, you never knew who it was going to be. What uh, sport they come one of the world's with. best footballers at the time, Kevin Keegan, famously crashed his bike on a the dodgiest athletics track of all time uh-huh. yeah. um, and actually did himself quite a bit of injury. Um, it was a great leveller, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You'd have the really big names and the lesser And I think the other people. guy that was really good was a canoeist. I see. I think. Um, and that name does escape me. I'm normally pretty good on superstars. That, that's um, fair enough, though. That's, that's... Roger Utley, he used to be uh, a regular. Andy Ripley, that's I think, right. was a Superstars regular. And obviously, we just talked about Gerald uh, JPR Williams. You know what? I don't need them to bring it back. I just want them to start showing all those again. I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll just <laughs> want old... reruns from the 70s. It'd just be amazing yeah. viewing, wouldn't it? Fantastic I think it would. Stuff. I think yeah. it would be amazing viewing. So, <laughs> if anyone from Channel 7, 9, 10, Fox, Stan, any sports-minded channel can stump up the cash to get superstars going in Australia, we would love to see that. Some of the reality shows that you see on, on oh, TV, yeah. this would be way better. I mean, holy moly, that ridiculous golf yep. thing. I mean, superstars is, is playing playing right into that market, but is also just a far, a yeah. far better product. They did actually reboot it in England, in Britain, a couple of years ago, right. but they took them all out to Portugal Oh, okay. For a nice little couple of days away uh-huh. to do a few things. Because I know uh, a good friend of mine, Jamie Bolsh, and you and Thomas were both on it. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, and it was for charity. Charity Tubes, it was for charity. So uh-huh. in terms of that, they did uh, they did the right thing. Okay. But uh, it, was, it was more of a one-off thing then. Kind of a, I think it was, it was a run. It might have been comic relief. Yeah, yeah, one of yeah. those types, I think, possibly. But it was... Hmm. Uh, it was definitely well worth the watch. I remember seeing the mountain biking, and you and Thomas was a former like BMX champion, so I he see. romped right. the mountain bike aspect of it. It's and interesting then I think finding the, out the other strings to, the, to their bike. That's exactly these, these right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's probably the issue with the uh, with the Australians that there's only one string to their bow. Yeah, that's probably it. Cross yeah. the bopper, unless you're Anthony Mundine. Yeah, you do get a few sort of Nick Kyrgios, apparently, <laughs> who's uh, yeah. Claims he's a he's a baller. He claims all sorts, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he's a big claimer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is. So, um, what else have uh, you been up to past seven days? Um, oh, we've got to say because I know uh, this is the last, the final day of the current stint. That's for right, you yeah, as subbing in. I'm sort of um, not because we're kicking you out or anything, but you actually are going overseas, heading the same way as Rob. Really, yeah. We just just started packing the bags and we're, we're, we're heading off to England on on Sunday. So, on Sunday, yep. Starting to to, to get ready for that. Now, yeah. I uh, I asked the good people of Jack Links. I said, look, we've had uh, we've had a sub in for the last couple of weeks. Can you sort our man tubes out with a with a Jack Links beef jerky. jerky pack? And uh, I'm still waiting for it to come. So in the meantime. I have got you the limited edition prawn cocktail crisps. Oh, well, you know what? Yeah, Which it, you can't get in Australia. I was quite excited when I saw that these were, were in the shops. And yeah. Oh, that's a treat. Yeah. So, uh, I'm trying to explain it to people here. They think it's ridiculous. But prawn cocktails are great flavor. Oh, it used to be a favorite. No, of it's the greatest. Indeed. The greatest flavor of crisps. And they're missing a trick in Australia, not having prawn cocktail available 365 <laughs> days a year. Only Aldi have it. One week every six months. Is yeah, they do just occasionally bring pointless. that. Pointless. Well, maybe this will catch on. This limited edition, if it gets some good reviews, they might finally decide oh, well, that Australia's it always ready sells for out. It, actually, I can tell you a secret. Aldi and Melbourne sold out prawn cocktail. Their supply of prawn cocktail crisps within three days. There you go. So the, the, the desire is there. Somebody is missing yeah. a trick there. Well, thank you, thank you for my. Oh, prawn not a crisps. problem oh, at all. Not a problem. So enjoy. Then take them on the plane. And if the Jack Link's beef jerky does come in, I'll get it over to you. <laughs> uh, because if you are going on a long plane ride. 
get yourself a big slab of Jack Link's beef it's jerky. The way to go, isn't it's it? the only way to go. Yeah, and absolutely. when you're in the air, you're that much closer to space. Just like those astronauts. Just like those astronauts. Indeed. Yeah. Anyway, so last seven days, what have you been up to? Well, um, realising why Rob's gone away, actually, because clearly he wanted to avoid the uh, cricket whitewash that we've, that we've enjoyed witnessing over the last yes. few weeks and that and the, uh, concluded last night. So that, that, was, that was fantastic to watch. I've been t- taking a bit it's of the cricket. It's been um, a pretty phenomenal turnaround. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I love the fact that, that before this series, uh, one of the big problems apparently was that, that our, our, bat- our batters had a, a one-day mindset, that, that they weren't digging in for proper test cricket, they were just trying to slog everything for six. Yep. Um, whereas now... They're still doing that, but it's working, <laughs> well, <laughs> which yeah. apparently is all thanks to the new coach. But uh, oh, it's 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 been it's it's been good to watch. Um, Bearstow, um I, I was one of those who was sort of writing him off and thinking, surely there's room in the team in the, t- in the team for a younger bat to come in and prove yeah. himself. But I mean, he's he's just kept delivering. It's so, been astonishing. I don't know if you. Uh, I'm not one to bring myself up, but I will. Um, <laughs> in terms of when Joe Root. I was never a big fan of Joe Root's captaincy, I'll be honest with you. Uh-huh. He's, he is one of the best batsmen in the world. He's always going to be in the side. Now, when Joe Root was going to step aside, I, I wasn't a big fan of Ben Stokes becoming captain because he's a three-format player. Yep. He is he's an all-rounder. a designated match winner. There's yep. a lot of pressure on him to perform in every facet of the game. You would have definitely preferred there to be another option there. Now, the, the issue with the England team at the time was there was only two two lads outside of the bowlers, let's say. Two guys guaranteed their place in the side, and yeah. that was Root and Stokes. So I don't know if you've heard on this show when I came out and said, I what I would do is give Bairstow the gloves and give him the captaincy and say, you've got this for two years, make the most of it. Because I had a feeling that he was... One of the guys in the top seven that may cement his place and perform. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, he's man of the series, Tubes. He has cemented his place and he has performed, possibly partly because he hasn't been given the gloves and the captaincy in what would have yeah. been quite quite a bizarre move, to be honest. Um, um, I think well, just saying, I think just saying, you're a you're a bat. We'll, we'll have you at five. You just concentrate on doing that well. Has yeah. been, been the reason. I'm surprised he's... he's batting five, to be honest, because I think Stokes in the end wanted about six. That's the only difference. Uh, it's, it's a rare kind of sensible decision from Stokes to say, "All mm. right, since I'm going to be the captain and an all rounder, I will at least just drop down one spot <laughs> yeah. in the order." And it does it increase the chances of us finally getting Stokes, Folks, and Wokes all in a row in the, in the batting lineup, which still hasn't quite happened. Yeah, but it's coming soon. I think. Now it's coming soon. My other beef with the England team, yes, beef, is. Where's Jamie Overton been? Why have they been picking this other bloke called Overton who's actually very average, whereas this bloke actually can play? Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? I, I, I've, I've always had in my head that that uh, Jamie was potentially the better bowler, um, but that Craig was getting picked because he could bat a bit. <laughs> Turns out Jamie can bat a lot. So, yeah, I, I think I think Craig gave Jamie his cap for his debut, which was a nice okay. little touch. But I think we might have seen a changing of the guard, yeah, where Jamie yeah. will say, thanks very much, Craig, and cheerio, well, you're he, never going to play for England he again. Bowls, he, he clearly holds the bat better, and he bowls 10 kilometres an hour faster than, than Craig does anyway. Yeah, he, he, And he, they're he, twins. He, they're the same bloody size. Yeah. I think, so it's not I think, as if one's getting more bounce than the other. I think Jamie's always been a better bowler. I think he's had some injury problems and occasionally has missed his chance because of that right. in the past. 
but there's just become this orthodoxy that, that that Craig was there in the pecking order when really he he just doesn't need to be, and I and I think we've probably yeah. seen the last of him now. And, and Jamie's looking oh, quite most, handy. Most definitely, Matthew Potts has been a revelation as well. So suddenly the the bowling's looking well stocked. I think we had eight fast bowlers injured at least for yep. the first test. Um, so suddenly you have a look at your depth chart and you've got Potts and Overton coming in and you think, oh, actually, we're, we're all right. We're going to have some some nice, n- nice, uh, difficult selection well, decisions there are, in the future. I mean, let's face it, there's two blokes going to need to be replaced fairly soon. Before too long. Yeah. Before, uh, before too long. <laughs> Whatever the words are. And, and, and more to the point, they're going to they're need to be occasionally rested and rotated as Anderson yeah. was now. Well, I so. think that's, that's absolutely spot on. Mm. I think there, there's always been a case for rotation, but... There is no substitute for regular bowling. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think if someone's fit and ready to go, you play them. I, yeah. I think Anderson was was rested because he he'd played two tests, he'd gone well, we'd won the series, and and you know he was due a rest. But yeah. But what I don't like is the the preemptive resting. Exactly. Saying we're going to rest yeah, yeah. him for this test so he can play the next one. Yeah. He no, might no, no. he might get injured in training before yep. then. If he's ready well, to go now, then just pick him. It's I couldn't say it better myself. I really could not say that better myself because. What happened in Australia earlier this year, where they rested people for the first test, yeah. was horrendous. There was there was kind of six months of of planning and, <laughs> and, and overthinking and preparing of this bowling attack, and then we ended up in the first test with neither Anderson nor Broad playing, and and mm. and an attack that just didn't even make sense for Brisbane, especially in Brisbane. Yeah, and then they kept picking the the right team for the previous test for the next test, and never yep. quite getting the bowling right. It no, was embarrassing. Exactly, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Apparently this week, I know you're a massive Neighbours fan. Absolutely. Apparently it's the last week of filming this week. I, I, I thought I thought the, the filming had finished already. But oh, I thought I thought I read somewhere there was they were having the big send off right, party. Still a bit more to go. Perhaps it was yeah. on the weekend. I don't know. So uh, uh, yeah, I, I see a different headline every week. There's a different stage to it to, to it finishing. But yeah. yeah, it's just been winding down. It's, yeah. it's how do you think? Go on. Give us your expert opinion on what you think is going to... How, they, how are they going to finish it? I hope that they don't try and, you know, literally go out with a bang, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, they're bringing back all sorts of characters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, arguably a bigger coup than Kylie and Jason is is that apparently Guy Pearce is going to rock up as well. Really? Apparently, yeah. You, okay. you read stuff, I, I, I don't know which of it's true, but, but they're definitely bringing quite a few people back, so there'll be some kind of pretext for that. But I think you don't, you don't end a soap by saying this is the end of the story the whole point of a soap is these people's lives go on mm. so it's it should be more like we're going to stop showing you these people's lives but but there should be plenty of stuff left sort of open mm. just say and 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 farewell to these people but they're going to carry on living their lives without us so yeah I, yeah i, 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 I think don't what think would... there should be too much of an effort to make it this big climax i yeah. think that could end up just being tacky. i think what should happen is that probably the city of edinburgh's uh council just come out with a compulsory purchase order because they're putting in a uh the new bus lane it's going straight through ramsey street right, so they've yeah, just, all got to go well, yeah i mean there's 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 various sort of suburban rail loop works in exactly. the area they yeah, can yeah. just say yeah so that'll be the end of ramsey street yeah I guess so. And that, oh, yeah. well, we that's it. Can't do it anymore. We, <laughs> Good, everyone's got to go. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone walks out with big, hefty checks because the compulsory order is on this date. And, oh, so you're like, a bit like Seinfeld where they just kind of just walked off into the sunset. It would make sense in a way, yeah. I don't mind that. But uh, no, but in terms of television, it would be sort of mundane, wouldn't it? I'm not sure how you, <laughs> how you create drama. Well, I don't know if there's any other way to finish a soap apart from being totally mundane as oh i'm i'm in agreement with you the fact that they shouldn't go out with a big band they just 
all right, it's over. Yeah, just just, just quietly, just just drift away because that's what Neighbours has always been. It's been something that's 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 there in the background, like a sort of faithful friend, but yeah. not making too much noise, you know. And 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 it and it should it should maintain that sort of place in our lives right up to the end. I think. Mm. Where is Erinsborough meant to be in? Melbourne geographic terms. It, it is well. It sort of depends on the plot line. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it, it, there was there was a scene when there was a big um, hurricane, and you were seeing weather maps, and you did see oh. Erinsborough positioned pretty much where the filming happens, okay. east, east of Melbourne in those suburbs. Right. But its status varies. So, so the, when it suits them, they say, "Oh, we're just an outer suburb of Melbourne here." Okay. But then occasionally they'll start talking about it as if it's a sort of separate city with it with, with its own. With with its own sort of importance that right. causes people to travel all the way there, and they don't. <laughs> and instead of saying why have you come to Melbourne, they say why have you come to Erinsborough. You know, oh, so, right. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, Ge- geographically it's in the east, but but whether it's just a suburb or actually a sort of separate city just varies depending on the plot line. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because here's a bit of trivia for you, uh-huh. and I I know you're in the top ranked in the top twenty five of the <laughs> Oceania Quiz League, but um, <laughs> did you know? The map that they used to show of Erinsborough. Oh, in the credits. In the there credits, was a map, wasn't there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was actually Camp Hill in Brisbane. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. See, there's trivia knowledge for you. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. That's just Camp what they Hill. happened to have handy when they were. I think it kind of the... made, in terms of a, a graphically pleasing, yeah, it had the right picture. Yeah, the put... aesthetics. That's exactly what uh, the word I was thinking of. Intriguing. So Camp Hill in Brisbane, I'm right. pretty sure, is where it was focused. Is that a suburb you're familiar with? Yeah, very, very much. My mum and dad live kind of one suburb over oh, see, from right. there. Camp so, Hill. Uh, and where I used to play football, Holland Park is next door to Camp Hill. There you go. So, uh, in terms oh. of that, I'm very familiar with the Camp Hill area. Nice to find a new bit of neighbours trivia. Yeah, there you go. About you, like, I'm, like, every now and again, week in, week out, <laughs> this show is educational. Indeed, it really, really is. <laughs> uh, you got any news for us? Well, I've been continuing my journey through. Oh right, the, the yeah, past yeah. of three and six five days of sport, and it's yes. got very interesting. It, it's almost going to replace Neighbours for me as the sort of soap opera, <laughs> just just following the, the lives of Beefy and Rob as we travel through twenty eighteen. Yeah. So uh, I've actually got up to the point now where where you're here here in this Southern FM. Oh, we've studio. finally moved in, and and it's amazing how it started. So I, be- yeah. I believe you're sort of borrowing the premises for, for, for podcast purposes. Yes. But there was a medical emergency in the neighbouring studio. There definitely was a medical emergency next door. extremely dramatic and possibly quite harrowing for the two of you. Yep. And even more so for the guy involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, so later on in that episode, you accidentally switched on the broadcast button and started actually going out to Southern FM listeners yeah. for a little while. That was that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so- then, and then the following week... Good evening, Southern <laughs> FM. Yeah. We are now the new show at this time. Yeah. And and, and, that, and and here you are still. So I had no idea that that's how it had all yeah, come yeah, about. Yeah. That's been a fascinating listen. So this is a genuine story, and it's, it's, it's not got a good ending, put it that way, for the person involved. So myself and Rob were borrowing the studio to record the show, which was a podcast-only show at the time. Mm. And we were recording away, and... Guy in the next studio broadcasting in this time slot Tuesday nights ten till twelve was over was next door and I thought there was some issues some like technical issues with the panel because the guy in before us seemed to be having a few issues as well and looked across and the guy next door all of a sudden started shouting out and I thought oh god we're having a bad night tonight mm. and then let out about 
a minute later let out a scream wow. and I look through the window because there's two studios here and he's keeled over and his basically his headphones are holding him up wow. and so we, we rush in and uh, yeah he'd uh, Mr. Mark Shemke and yeah, he wasn't very well. He he had a brain aneurysm, actually, whilst he was, was on air. Right. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we had to get the paramedics in and talk him through. And then me and Rob were trying to comfort him. And the uh, the guys on the triple O line were trying to tell us what to do and how to make him feel better and everything else. And it took about probably an hour for the paramedics to come. And Wow. Yes, uh, it was uh, an interesting night, put it that way. Absolutely. Um, I've got to let you know. Unfortunately, Mr. Shemke did pass away about... Mm. 12 months later from complications off the back of that so wow. uh, we wish uh, the Shemke family well he was a huge member of Southern FM been here a long time All oh, right. so uh, in terms of that but yeah it was uh, interesting but Mark was ill and you never want dead air and well, we were we exactly. were here anyway, so um, he stepped up. The people from Sun FM asked us if we'd like to take the show live again, and that was uh, that was where we were at. So <laughs> the rest yes, is history. The rest, of, and we, like you say, we still we still are here, still going, we're still uh, banging in the Indeed. top ten in the world in terms of uh, podcast sports mm. podcasts. So yeah, uh, we do we do thank the people of Southern FM <laughs> week mm. in week out for showing faith <laughs> in this bloody mad show. That's for Absolutely. sure because. Uh, what is it? Episode 254 tonight. Unbelievable. So. Well, the next thing I'm looking forward to is, as I continue through 2018 with you guys is is, is Rob's boxing at the Panthers yes. Masters. Yes. Yeah. At, at the moment, I think he's making some strange choices in terms of what weight category he's trying to get himself into. <laughs> so I'm going to be tracking that over the over the next uh, yeah. f- few weeks. It, it, it'll be interesting to see because, yeah, that, that, that's not just doing a beer mile. That's actually stepping up and, and competing. Full credit to him. And you, see, you seem to have to keep reminding him that if he wins his match, he'll then have to fight another one. It's not just a one-off yeah, thing necessarily. That's right. Uh, the, the, uh, the boxing was uh, fair credit to Rob. I mean, he'd been training for a while, but to actually step up and decide to have a fight. Yeah. Especially, like, you've just mentioned the quandary as well, because mm. he was on the, the weight limit of becoming a heavyweight. Yeah. Now, the last thing you want to do is find yourself in a in a ring with some absolute bruiser and be at the bottom end of that. Of that <laughs> be weight. at yeah. the lightest part of the the heavyweight side of it. Yeah. Perhaps I'm getting it wrong. Perhaps he was, uh, you know, being a between light heavyweight and cruiser. I can't remember. But, but on that there was going to yeah. be a big difference between the two weight divisions. So, I mean, he did well to lose the extra couple of kilos he mm. needed as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, absolutely... When he said he wanted to do it, I'd never thought that he would get that far. But, uh, yeah, fair credit to him. And he came up against a guy from Western Australia that was uh, just a raging bull. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I did try and get a guest for tonight to uh, go through, but, uh, yeah, it's proved to be a bit difficult. I nearly... Do you remember Chris Price? Oh, yeah, Chris Price. Yeah. Fullback in the early 90s. Fullback in the early 90s. Uh, I think Aston Villa signed in from Hereford United. Uh, He's got no hair, but we don't care, we used to sing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there is a Newport County link as well, because uh, ah. he went on to manage Newport County for a very, very short time. I didn't know that. Oh, I um, see. Possibly nice one of the worst managers we ever had. <laughs> In terms of results, put it that way. Oh, he was a great um, fullback, though. He's now um, a youth coach at Gold Coast United. Oh, really? I see. Yes, he's so he's up here. there, yeah. So I did try and get him, and the timings didn't quite work. He said he was a bit late because uh, you've got a few things going on. It's so hard uh, to do. Next time you're on, we'll get Chris Price in and or we, on. And we, we'll always have our chat with Julian Cook from last week, which is fantastic. What a chat. Oh, very stuff. good. Very, time. very good. What up? 
Same old, same old. You? Fifty Shades of Greys. Nice. <laughs> hey, did you hear the news about Bridget? She's making her way around Australia. For reals? Yeah, she's everywhere. Barbecues, footy, even camping. Well, sounds like she's flat out. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to go to Australia. One day, bro. One day. Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Leagues. Beef up your snack life. Hi, I'm Jeff Fennick, and this is 365 Days of Sport. Gags with David Boone, Tubes. You started off on a very, very low note. It I did. got marginally better. Not saying much. So let's try, as every good coach will tell you, let's finish on a good one. Okay. Just going to hit you with a round number this time. Yep. Let's, let's go 100. 100. Come on. Be lucky for me. Out of line. It's a quick one, so it could be a good one. Okay. They were just about to go into line for the final of the Inter. Inter-Dominion Pacing Championship at the Harold Park <laughs> Trotting Track in Sydney uh-huh. when one of the horses farted. Sorry about that, fellas, shouted out the driver with a grin. That's all right, replied one of his rivals. We thought it was your horse. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's it, it's really gentle comedy, isn't it? Just It's not even gentle. It sounds like something that actually happened and that maybe raised a chuckle at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't then publish. You don't write it down and no, publish no, no. it. Just, That's it. Oh, um, because I was quite short, we'll do another short one. Uh huh. Seeing straight, this one's called. A trainer took his took his prize greyhound to the vet and said, "Doc, he's not chasing the bunny like he used to. A mate of mine reckons it might be his eyesight. Is there anything you can do to help him? Let's have a look." Said the vet. He picked the dog up and looked straight into his eyes. Then he checked his teeth. Even lifting it, lifted him high and stared intently at his chest and belly. Finally, he muttered, "I'm sorry, I'm going to have to put him down." What? Because he's going blind? No, he's very heavy. Oh, God. yeah, I can see that coming from a bit of a mile away. Actually, I'm, I'm glad it's over because <laughs> I, I just have to concentrate so hard because I think there's some comedy buried somewhere in here, and I, I'm afraid I'm going to miss it. And then I realise I, I haven't missed it. It's no. Just, no, yes, you do. Uh, what are we? 28th of June. Yes. On this day in history, too. Uh, West Indian Test Fast Bowler, Happy Gilchrist. Hang on. Happy? <laughs> Roy Gilchrist. Happy birthday, Roy. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, he did die in 2001, but uh, that's where Happy Gilchrist probably came from. Probably not. <laughs> um, Canadian golfer, George Nudson. Happy birthday. Never heard where of you, George. Where names? Yeah. Uh, David Duckham. Of Barbarians fame, English Rugby Union winger, 1946. Uh-huh. Happy birthday, David yeah. Duckham. John Elway, NFL legend John Elway. Happy birthday to uh, to John. Um, this is the best I can do. New Zealand Rugby Union centre, Bernie McCarhill. Really? I've never even heard of him, but it's his birthday. Tian Strauss, famously played for South Africa and Australia. Okay. Didn't he? I think he did. Um Pakistan Tespin and Mushtaq Ahmed, happy oh, birthday. And French soccer goalkeeper Fabian Barthez. Okay, perhaps they were building up through that list. No, that's it. That is the entire list. A couple of decent ones at the end there, but um, a pretty quiet day in maternity wards. On this day, talking about maternity wards, on this day, 2008, former American tennis star Chris Evert married Australian golfer Greg Norman. That's when that happened. In the Bahamas. Um, we've talked about this the other week. The extra information of these stories. A host of celebrities attended a lavish wedding, including U.S. Presidents Bill Clinton and George Bush Sr., Gwen Stefani and her husband, Kevin Rosdale, Kenny Loggins, 
Chevy Chase and Leighton Hewitt, Anna Kordakova, Lindsay Davenport, Martina Navratilova, and Miss Everett's former fiance, Jimmy Connors. The union lasted 15 months. I didn't want to know who was at no. the wedding. It, it, it's like when a documentary has, has, has sort of only got rights to certain footage, so they focus on really irrelevant parts of the story because that's all that they can show. Yes. Whereas, yeah. whereas with a book, none of that's actually uh, relevant, so I, I, I don't know why they're focusing on stuff like no. that. In 1915, uh, Victor Trumper uh-huh. died of Bright's disease at 37. I didn't know he died so young, actually. No, I didn't. Um, his funeral was attended by an estimated 250,000. Wow. The, um, the warning of his day. So, he scored yeah, 3,163 runs at 39 with a career high of 2,214. Uh, Played 48 tests. Uh, what mm. else have we got? Muhammad Ali conviction overturned in 1971. Okay. 8-0 vote. Muhammad Ali's 1967 conviction for draft evasion was overturned by the Supreme Court. In 1990, in a much-debated decision, FIFA made the first change in football's offside law in 65 years. The new yeah. rule stated the players who were level with defenders were when a through ball was played would be onside. Yeah, they hadn't changed the offside law in, in a long time, and then but since then they've changed it every couple of years, basically, or <laughs> yes. tweaked the interpretation yep. just to confuse us. Uh, yeah. On this day in 1997, Mike Tyson bit off half of Evander Holyfield's ear. That's a big moment. Yeah, yep. They seem to save the more interesting stuff for the bottom of the list in this book, don't well, they? Well, I'm just running through the dates at the minute. Mm. Uh, in 2005, Andrew Bogut was drafted first by the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. In 2006, following on from Bogut, seven-foot-tall Italian Andrea Bagnani became the first European drafted with number one. Okay. And, um, and then in 2007, Kevin Durant... Just prior to the much-anticipated choice of Texas star Kevin Durant at number two in the NBA draft, Seattle Sonics pulled off a stunning trade, sending seven-time All-Star Ray Allen to Boston in return for their most popular player and leading scorer. Super Sonics received Wally Sherbiak, Delonte West, and a number five pick. Again with the detail this Yeah, point. Portland then chose imposing Ohio State center Greg Oden first overall. Oh I don't goodness, yeah, I don't on. really want to know. It is a great book. It's weird, but it is the added extras that we really don't want to know about are there. Yeah. Interesting though that the first, so the first European to get the number one draft pick was an Italian. You don't yes, Italians only because he was um only because he was a all. big fella. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't done this for a while too, so you're going to be very honored with this information. Okay. Even though Well, Tubes, you delayed your trip to the UK far too long. Oh, no. If you'd have been in the UK this weekend, you had the opportunity to become world worm-charming champion. As it returned to Williston this weekend, the crazy world of worm-charming returned to Williston on Sunday when it hosted the World Worm-Charming Championships. It returned to the grounds of the Williston Primary Academy in other words, a junior school. Whereabouts in, in England is this? Yorkshire, I bet. Uh, Williston. I think it might be Derbyshire, actually. Okay, Williston. Yeah. Uh, it started back in 1980 and involves competitors having 30 minutes to charm and collect as many worms as possible from their three by three meter square plot. The current world record for worm charming in half an hour tubes. Have a guess. It was achieved in 2009. How many worms do you reckon they charmed out the ground? Remember, you can't dig. No, you have to you, just you bang. Just charm. Oh, you yeah. can ba- okay. Uh, oh, maybe you're getting one worm a minute there. Maybe maybe 30 worms. 
567 tubes, oh the my, world record oh for worm charming, <laughs> 2009. Um, this year, the Arnold family in plot 81, they got 10 worms. They were the, f- they were the best newcomers. The heaviest worm trophy was won by the McPhersons, who got a, uh, an 8 grammar. That's a big worm, it's is it? It's a big I worm, an eight grammar. I can't visualise any of this. It, it's just so abstract. The West family did get a seven grammar in plot 27. <laughs> um, the championship trophy for most worms was won by the Price family in plot 129. They got 83 worms this year, which is quite impressive because apparently it's been quite dry. Oh, I see. So, so the uh, numbers are generally down. Yeah. Is it so, always families who are competing I'm pretty sure. Other? It's only a three-by-three three plot. And if you want to share your worm-charming plot with people you don't know, I, I guess that's... a all good. So th- there are this many worms just in the ground and in a three by three square. Yeah, uh, the Wilson family got uh, fifty two worms. Brookshaw family with forty nine worms, which is a great return for the Brookshaw family because they won the virtual World Worm Charming Championships in twenty twenty. What's a don't, I don't know. <laughs> were they virtual worms? They could have been. Or perhaps it... it was a computer game. I, I don't know. It, it, yes. So if you were in Williston. Um, on last Saturday, then you could have been Will Worm champion. champion. But also, if you were in Dorset on the weekend, uh-huh. the World Stinging Nettle Eating Competition took place on the weekend. Competitors proved they could grasp the nettle as winners were crowned during the return of the world-famous nettle eating competition. The World Nettle Eating Competition returned to West Dorset on Saturday at the Dorset Nectar Cider Farm, cider farm near Bridport. Large crowd gathered at the farmers' competitors, chomped down on as many nettles as they could in 30 minutes to be crowned the winner. Competitors were served a two-foot stalk of stinging, net- stinging nettles from which they were plucked and ate the leaves. Traditionally, competitors used to be given an hour before the bare stalks were measured. This year, it was only 30 minutes. The winner was named with a competitor with the greatest accumulated length of nettle. Local Bridport resident Lindy Rogers was victorious, won the women's trophy after getting through 42 feet of nettles. The men's title, however, what what news this is, Tubes. The men's title, however, proved harder to pin down as two men, Jamie Woolen and Niall, a YouTuber, who came to the event dressed in a ghillie suit, whatever that is, both chowed down on 54 foot of nettles. It was a tie, Tubes! A tie for first place. The pair were then challenged to an eat-off, during which both men raced to eat and swallow the leaves from one stalk as quickly as possible. Penny Strong of the Dorset Nectar Company said that the competition was very close, with both men finishing within milliseconds of each other, but that Niall was awarded a cup. Uh, or my lover. Mrs. Strong added... It was an absolutely fantastic success. It really went very well. Everyone had a fantastic time. Bridport Town Crier John Collingwood opened of the event. A town Crier there, yeah. Which was then hosted by. Oh, God, who cares about that bit? From 1996, the annual tradition used to take place every summer at the Bottle Inn in Marshwood. Oh, it attracted worldwide attention. Well, it's on a radio show, radio show in uh, Melbourne as part of the Charity Beer Festival. However, the Bottle Inn, a 16th century pub, has been closed and sitting empty since 2020, and the World Nettle Eating Competition had not taken place since 2019. I'm sure it was greatly missed during, during those two uh, Unbelievably years. greatly missed. So um, the aptly named Philip Thorne from Colleton in Devon has achieved the record for most stinging nettles eaten during the competition, chomping an incredible 104 feet of stinging nettles. 
This stuff's right up your street, isn't it? I mean, first of all, I, I take issue with the phrase "world famous" that was thrown in there. It, it's not world famous, is it? I mean, yeah, we, it is. We, it, just because you're talking about it here, it's it's just a very obscure rural English thing that is not known anywhere else in the world. Calling it a world championship again, this is this, this is what you love to do. Just just find it's a world championship, tubes. Best people in the world are competing for this. It, it's amazing how many world championships take place in English pubs, contested almost <laughs> entirely by by English people. In, in in rural areas, these these are not sports, beefy. I'm going to have to have have this out with you once and for all. I mean, of those of those 306 sports that you yeah. watched during your world record attempt, I reckon at least half of them are just. Oh come on, not a sport. No. I mean, one of the criteria that, that you say that you have is, is that it has to have a world championship, and yet in many of these cases, has to, no, has to have an organising committee. Sure, but in many of these cases, that's all it has. It's just an annual event where some people gather in a pub. To do it's organised though. Egg jarping, snail racing, toe wrestling. These these are just. We these never got just, to the snail racing. I was gutted. They're just glorified. It was my up. chance, <laughs> my chance to be a world champion, Tubes. Well, I mean, as soon as animals are involved, it's the snail who would be the world champion, uh, not you. You're take, just the guy selecting a snail and training. cheering it on. They take good training. <laughs> anyway, talking about me being world champion. Is it better than the beef? Probably. Yeah, I love this. Let's find out. Is it better than the beef? Beef or bust? An Oregon man broke an unusual Guinness World Record when he found and alphabetized all 26 letters in a can of alphabet soup <laughs> in two minutes and eight seconds. <laughs> Jacob Chandler said he decided to try and break a Guinness World Record and look through some possibilities before reading about the alphabet soup record. I think it was, is it alphabet soup or alphabet spaghetti? Well, it's it's sort of a spaghetti. It's the same stuff that a tin of spaghetti is made of. But yeah, but it's, it's not a soup, is it? It's not a soup, isn't it? Bloody Americans. <laughs> I was intrigued by the idea of alphabetizing a canned soup. I've eaten plenty of alphabet soup in my life, but never stopped to think someone would make a challenge out of organizing the letters. Chandler said he made preparations including finding the perfect size bowl and spoon, identifying the right kind of alphabet soup with large and easily recognizable letters, and studying up to make sure he could tell the difference between letters like <laughs> M and W. Many of the letters had similar features, and I needed to know that before the attempt, he said. Chandler said there were some other factors that were impossible to predict. The most difficult part was not being able to know what was going to be in the can at the time of the attempt. Due to the fact each can was sealed and completely random, this made it mentally exhausting to think about. I felt I could put all this effort in and time into the record, but if a letter was not in the can from the factory, then my record attempt would have been a failure. Yeah, failure, I tell you, failure. Chandler successfully broke the record by finding and organising 26 letters in 2 minutes and 8 seconds. He said he wanted his accomplishment to inspire his 11-year-old son, Bryson, to achieve his dreams. When he was born, I learned to love unconditionally. I realised every word and action would influence his well-being and future self. He has helped me to grow as a person and as a father. There you go. Some extremely profound words there about his love for his son and desire to inspire him, and the way he's chosen to do that is 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 by ordering the letters from a, a, a can of soup. This is this is ridiculous. This is the worst one you've come up with so far. I mean, he said it himself that, the, that he says the hardest thing about it was that basically it's just random chance. Once you yeah. open the can, you've just got to wait and see what's in there. It's an absolutely ridiculous record. So I'm reading into this. He's basically all you have to do. Open a can of Elfbeddy spaghetti, put it in a bowl, and find 26 letters. And, and, and get, yeah, you've got to identify them all, get them in order or something. But Yeah, you've just got to find, tw- oh, you've got to put, lay them out yeah. A to Z. You've got to hope that, hope that they're there. It's, it's a bit like rolling a dice. Uh, I think in the last three weeks, right, I reckon there's two world records I can beat here. 
Well, yeah, it's, it's not just that, that they're that they're worse records than yours. Yeah. It's that you could literally beat these guys at these particular records. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was the pub crawl, wasn't there? Oh, I've already planned that's, it. That's, I've, I'm breaking that world record done. very soon. Yeah. Very soon. Do it the weekend. Yeah. And, and then this one. I, I wonder how many. I mean, he said he did some training. <laughs> Um, with a what, few cans. He, he ate some soup. But on the day, I mean, how many cans did he open? He could have just said, oh, well, that, well, that wasn't a good one. I'll try again. Yeah. It's, it's like when you play Minesweeper and, and just try and start by just click, click, clicking until yeah. until you get a good grid that's going to help you to get a good score. He's just he's just got lucky, basically. I mean, he says he says he wants to inspire his, 11, his 11-year-old son. His 11-year-old son could probably do better than that. <laughs> Because that's what kids do. Yeah, that's right. They just enjoy ordering the alphabet and playing yeah. with letters, and, and, and that's just how they spend their day. So, mm. yeah, his, his son's going to beat it. It doesn't say what the previous record was. I mean, he's obviously found out that there was a pre-existing record. Yeah. Sometimes I think Guinness just toss something out there. Oh, they say, do. Oh, someone's get, done this. They get, you have to apply. You have yeah. to pay money to apply for a world record. Don't, <laughs> oh, you know all about it. I know all yeah. about it. Don't worry about that. So they make money off it. But he's, and then if they award a world record, you have to then buy the certificate. And the certificate isn't cheap. <laughs> Put it that way. So they do make money <laughs> off that. So um, tough luck, Jacob Chandler. You're not. Better the beef. Absolutely not. So we played the first song that came to his head. It just so happened to be. It was the worst song in the world. It was the worst song in the world. Listen to the song and it's clear a mom because the words don't fit and the song is shit. You're a talentless kid. You suck! Now, last time you were on, I embarrassed you. Well, we kind of redeemed it with, a, with an Aston Villa song that went worldwide and in fact a school in indonesia or something was singing an aston villa chant in the end off the back of this song uh-huh. so i thought i will dive deep into the aston villa catalog again excellent just gonna play it tubes i'm just gonna play it <laughs> oh dear we are the voice of carrots and blue Victory song is sung for you So lead us on to glory We'll battle with you all the way When you're feeling worse for wear And the road is just not clear We will find you, get right behind you we will push till we get there Villa, Villa, Aston Villa We are standing right here behind you Villa, Villa, Aston Villa Lion hearts who have no fear What a team, the pride of the city Aston is the key to it all And feel you're the ground And for great football Holton will sing you one and all Villa Villa Aston Villa We are standing right here behind you Villa Villa Aston Villa Lion hearts who have no fear we are the prize, we are the stars of the Midlands. Stars of the Midlands. Oh, that's true. When you hear the lion roar, Villa has scored. We are the voice of the 
I am embarrassed because that that is awful, and I just don't like the association with my club at all. (laughs) There's there's absolutely no sense of of irony there. The the way he delivers that vocal, it's 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 all too heartfelt. There's no comedy to it whatsoever. The one saving grace might be it's so vague (laughs) and so formulaic. I'm not even convinced that it's being been written or performed by a Villa fan. He's he's, oh, I think he might be. Um, You've got some background of you. Well, he's very keen. Renford Williams, he's very keen for this to be adopted as the Aston Villa song. Well, well, I mean, there's there's another problem with that, is that the actual tone of it seems to be quite negative. It's sort of saying, when things are going a bit badly, we'll we'll keep singing for you. I mean, maybe this was written during the years preceding relegation in 2016. Um, This was 2009. Now, I'm going to tell you, 440,000 views on, on the old YouTube Okay. For some reason. Apparently, <laughs> this is, this is my wish is that one day the team will come from the tunnel under its glory. I, that's the thing. He just, yeah, it's like he's trying to quote from the Bible. But then it says, just, he's really... but the song fell on deaf ears with the Villa board. And at the time they did not want to give it their backing. What a surprise. <laughs> Cause it's rubbish. Yeah. Um, but this is the, one of the greatest comments I've ever seen on a, on a YouTube video. I was fighting for relegation with Villa in Football Manager until I started playing this song during every match. I won every match and have created a cure for cancer. Thank you, Redford Williams. <laughs> he thinks it's inspiring his, his computer to simulate Aston Villa games to better results. Oh. Yes, it's awful. It, it's it's not even it's it's not even cheesy. It's just it's just grim and repetitive and and earnest. I, I, it felt very long indeed. Oh uh, yeah, it's the longest three and a half minutes of my life. I think that one. Aston is the key to it all. It it doesn't sound like someone who who understands the, the club or even the geography of the, of the place. <laughs> yeah, it, it it didn't have a villa feel to it at all for me. No. Um, Salatha on uh, YouTube comments. I see that the influence of seventies naff ballad merchant Gilbert O'Sullivan is live. Even well, oh, cheers! It managed to cure my bulimia drought. You know, if Rob was here, he'd be he'd be wheeling out his favourite comment of saying that belongs on the Christian rock scene. I, 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 I <laughs> yeah. think it had that kind of vibe to it, really. Yes, yeah, a sort of uh, Hillsong sort of. Song. Oh yes, yeah. it's very Hillsongy. Yeah. yeah, I can see the happy clappers giving it uh, <laughs> big hands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in terms of that, so Renford Williams. Even though you've got 440,000 hits on YouTube, it must have been all you. You've had that on permanent 24-hour rotation in your house. Is that, I have is no that a date. Welsh name, Renford Williams? It's got a sort of Welsh Welsh. Could be. It. It, it, yeah. he, would, he wouldn't go amiss. No. Just following up on your comment, at 1 minute 11 is written, Aston, you're the key to it all. But the singer says, Aston is the key to it all. Has anyone else noticed this? <laughs> Someone's really forensically <laughs> analysing yeah, the, the I song know. there. <laughs> oh, dear. So I don't People know with about... too much time on their hands. Uh, definitely. Anyway. Hey, bro, if we were on a desert island and there wasn't any grass... No grass? Would you eat me to survive? Oh, bro, who'd eat a cow? Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Leagues, beef up your snack life. I'm Mick Fanning and this is 365 Days of Sport. 
you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life. There's a time you gotta go and show you grow, and now you know about the facts of life. The, the facts, facts of life. life and the world never seemed to be living up to your dreams. And suddenly you're finding out the, the facts, facts of life is all about, about you. Facts of life, Tubes. They, they say that all Welshmen can sing, don't they? But they do. <laughs> they say that. They do say that. <laughs> now, off the back of our uh, greatest individual sports people of all time conversation, you suggested. Well, actually, you talk us through what the uh, criteria for this discussion is going to be. Well, I mean, a lot of those greatest—they came from. Uh, there are quite a few Americans in there, a couple of Aussies, and you got those traditional sporting nations. But it's interesting to think about. The, the sportsmen who are perhaps not as great, but in terms of the nations that they come from, they stand out by a mile. Yeah, I thought it'd be interesting to have, have a look at some of those and some people who've, who've put their nation on the map when no one else was doing it in the sporting context. Yeah, no, I, uh, I think we've got the gist of that. So basically, we're going to go athlete for athlete, let's put uh-huh. it that way, like we did the last time yeah. around. So it's kind of a top 10 of surprising sports people from surprising nations that have dominated or been at the forefront of that nation's sporting prowess that perhaps you wouldn't have thought that they would have come out of that country. You know, just weird stuff like that. So yeah. so for my number 10, I'm going to go to Mozambique uh-huh. and just pick out Maria Matolo. Oh, yes. World class. World class gold medal winner. I'm not sure there were too many others out of Mozambique at the time. Exactly. Probably wasn't any, actually. And you still don't hear of of many, really. No. No, I don't think there are too many. I think there's a marathon runner that uh, may be up there in the world rankings at the minute. But Mutala was supremely talented. Oh, definitely. And uh, aggressive on the track as well. Wasn't afraid to barge her way through. Yeah. Had a nice rivalry with with, with Kelly Holmes for for, for a few years. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, And I seem to remember running... Probably Olympics and possibly even final when she was quite old. Yeah, she had a late thirties. Yeah, so for an eight hundred to three thousand runner, that's uh, mm. it was a pretty longish career considering. But when you're from a, a lesser nation like that, then there's less competition for you to make exactly. your national team exactly. and get to keep right. going back to the games. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, uh, I've thrown her out there, Maria Mutola. Good choice there. Thanks, yeah. mate. Uh, my number 10, um, probably slightly lesser known than Matola, Hanny Wenzel, um, skier from Liechtenstein. Yes. Now, uh, Liechtenstein have won 10 uh, skiing Olympic medals uh, over the years, and seven of those have come from the same family. Yeah. So, uh, Hanny Wenzel has uh, two gold, a silver, and a bronze from 1976 and 1980. Her brother, Andreas, so I'm sort of putting the family together yep, here fair a little enough. bit. Uh, got uh, a silver and a bronze in 1884. And her daughter, Tina Virata, is a current skier for Liechtenstein, and she, she got a bronze in 2018. So, right! So, so so that whole family has completely dominated Liechtenstein's skiing achievements, uh, and she was a real trailblazer, trailblazer for them. The only Liechtenstein uh, athlete to, to get a, um, an Olympic gold medal. So she got those two in 1980. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really putting Liechtenstein on the map. You'd expect it to be skiing, and, uh, and yet it's still such a small country yeah. that it's impressive that they've had well, any success. Well, very true. And um, also, 
genuine Liechtensteinians as well. Exactly. Not blow-ins from another country like no. um, Mark Girardelli was with Luxembourg. Yes, he was a big name for yeah, Luxembourg. And that, that always came confused across, me. Yeah, but, he was a, an Italian that fell out with the Italian skiing So people. someone else gave him a passport. Exactly. Yeah. So. There's, a, there's a South African golfer competing for Slovakia at the moment. Just oh, is there? Uh, oh, Rory Sabatini, which is just so that he can compete at the Olympics, which, oh. which is nonsense. Yeah, just the, the way passports are handed out. Didn't know that. But yeah, these guys, genuine Liechtensteinians if that is the word. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, number nine for me, we talk about blow-ins and people moving around, passports of convenience. I thought this guy was a passport of convenience type, but he's not. So not my number nine, Mutaz Baskim. Oh, he's a genuine Qatari. Genuine Qatari. Yeah, no, he is, exactly. Yeah, is and... Unbelievably won a gold medal in sensational circumstances in Tokyo when he tied. But I couldn't name you another Qatari athlete of any sport. Exactly. I think they I think they do a bit of judo, uh, taekwondo style. Okay. But yeah, that's why I can't name any. But they have bought quite a few yeah. Kenyans to come and run middle yeah, distance from have, on the world started, stage. Started giving out some passports yes. to people who'll take them but over. He but he is, Mutaz um, Baskim, high jumper, he is a genuine Qatari, and the fact that is I can't name anyone else from Qatar Definitely puts him up there. That's the kind of thing we're looking for on this yep. list. Yep. Um, my number nine, I'll, I'll see your Qatar and I'll raise you Montserrat. Now that's a truly small, yes. small uh, island nation. Only in, in, they, the they sang Barcelona. That was about it. <laughs> Was she, was she named after the island? I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, but uh, Lionel Baker is the only Montserratian to have played international cricket for the West Indies. Right. Uh, he played four tests and ten ODIs. Um, on his ODI debut, uh, he took the wickets of Salman Butt, Eunice Khan and Shahid Afridi. So some pretty impressive names there. Um, that was about as good as it got. Uh, his his international career sort of sort of dwindled, and he probably regretted the fact that he was that he had been about to uh, sign for Leicestershire to play county cricket, but becoming an international cricketer made him lose his his, his Colpack registration. So, uh, so yeah, never well, quite there's a few in that either. boat at the minute. Um, but yeah, he is a, a Montserrat legend because he made the West Indies cricket team. Right. Okay. Well, along those same lines, no, not even along those same lines. Totally different. My number eight <laughs> is a boxer. Okay. He was world heavyweight champion, 1959, 60-ish. Okay, where's he from? Sweden. Oh, really? Yes. Hence why the surprise, Ingemar Johansson... They had a boxer. ...was a Swedish heavyweight boxing world champion. And not the fact that it's a heavyweight championship. It's the fact that he's Swedish. Exactly, yeah. Who aren't... No, they're not known for their for their boxers at all, although mm. they do play ice hockey quite well, and those, well, those do two like do fight, cross yeah. over. Yeah. But heavyweight boxing champion Ingemar Johansson. Interesting. I mean, unlike some of these other nations, Sweden have had lots of other sporting success. Exactly. But I would not, but not a boxer. But having boxers at all. Yeah. Well, so go. he's I'm, my number eight. I'm learning stuff tonight. That's what the show's all about. Yeah. Uh, my number eight, uh, a better-known athlete uh, from a country that you wouldn't expect. Um, Marcus, Marcus Bagdatis uh, reached number eight uh, in, the, in the World Tennis Rankings in 2006. Got to the Aussie Open final, the Wimbledon semis. and he's. A I was there. I went to that final. Oh, you are at that one? Yep. Fantastic. It was a good atmosphere, actually, for tennis. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's well-known here. And he's, of course, from Cyprus. And, and, and Cyprus uh, has, has basically achieved nothing else as a sporting nation. <laughs> 
uh, in its history. Although the Cyprus rugby team has currently... They are the best ever for consecutive rugby wins. team oh, yeah. in the world. 32 wins on the trot. They're going in the right direction, but I think the sort of opposition that they're putting away at the moment doesn't quite qualify them as, as world-class at this stage. Um, so, so Marcus Bagdatis is, is Cyprus's greatest ever sportsman. Is he officially? Absolutely. You've said I'm it, so it's official. It. All right, you're calling it. <laughs> I seem to remember... Did they have a wrestler or a judoka? Hmm. I think. Check. Have they ever won Olympic medals? You're, you're all over that. I, I, I did have a look on, the, on a, a bit of research and nothing was really showing okay. up. Maybe some silvers I and bronzes, but not I a gold. I seem to think. remember, because they're in the Commonwealth. You forget this. Of course. They're in the yeah. Commonwealth Games. They probably so. got some Commonwealth medals there. Yeah, yeah. Those are easy Possibly, that's it. They're easy. Yeah. Give them out. <laughs> all right. My number six, no, seven, is a golfer. And I was throwing up between, you, we talk about sports that you may not associate with this country. There are two sports you may not associate with this country. More commonly known for rugby and cricket, really, although they're not oh, yeah. very good at that. I went, in the end, with Nick Price. Oh, yeah, of course. Zimbabwean golfer. But I was going to throw in Kirsty Coventry in there, who is a triple Olympic gold medalist. She's another world-class From Zimbabwe, athlete, yeah. yeah. True, and I true. think that's kind of the only two... Outside of the more traditional Zimbabwean sports. The team sports that, that they so do. So Nick okay. Price for Zimbabwe really probably overshadows Kirsty Coventry's yeah, achievements. Yeah, he was, he was actually world number one for, for quite a while. He, he didn't win as, as many majors as, as the yep. ranking would have suggested, but he was he was right at the top of golf uh, sort of late was, 80s, definitely. 90s, wasn't he? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, good choice, good choice. Number seven for me um, is um, my weekly reference to an obscure Soviet gymnast. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's Nelly Kim this time. Um, so, yeah, competed for the Soviet Union, um, but was born in uh, what is now Tajikistan. So oh. I'm, I'm claiming her on behalf She's of a Tajikistan. Tajik. Absolutely. Very famous in her day. She won um, five golds and a silver in the 1976 and 1980 Olympics. Uh, she got the second perfect 10 ever. Oh. Uh, and, the, and the first perfect 10 uh, ever on, on vault and floor. So she was a okay. re- real tri- trailblazer, hugely successful uh, gymnast. And Nelly Furtado <laughs> is named after her. That, Whoa! That, that is a fact. <laughs> Amazing fact. It's, it's confirmed by Wikipedia. So, so there you go. Yeah, well, that's a tremendous um, trivia. She would be higher on my list, but I must, I must also reference Dilshod Nazarov, who, of course, um, won Olympic gold in the hammer, uh, representing Tajikistan in Rio 2016. But, I mean, it's hammer. It's, it's the least prestigious of the throws, isn't it, really? Oh, so, I don't know about know. that. Well done to him. Men's discus is pretty... Uh, Hammer's at least got a, you know, you're, you're a Thor type. It's got a bit of kudos to it since yeah. Thor came along. But I really wanted to just, just reference the fact that Nelly Kim is actually from, is, is from Tajikistan. Okay. So there she's number seven. Well, I'm sticking to Southern Africa. Okay. The silver kid himself from Namibia. Yes. Frankie Fredericks. That's a great call. Four silvers. At uh, Olympic level, the eternal he did made of win sprinting. a world championship in the end, 93, uh, 200 metres yep. he won in Stuttgart. Yep. Um, but a man who was around for a long, long time, Namibia have never produced no, but- anyone of any note apart from David Weiser. In the cricket world, yeah, I don't even know if he's a true Namibian, to be honest. Well, exactly. He's probably a South African that's moved up there. But anyway, Frankie Namibia... Frankie's. Never produced anyone, and Frankie is from Windy Hock, 
Indeed. Uh, Windoy, whatever it is. Great beer comes out of Windy Hock. But uh, in terms of that, Frankie Fredericks is my... It probably could have been a bit higher, he, to be honest. He kept delivering over a number of years, didn't he? He was a, a if, rival and a friend of Linford Christie, I well, think. Well, I was going to yeah. say, if Linford wasn't there and probably Carl Lewis towards the end of his career, yeah, and uh, right. he probably would have won a lot more gold. Yeah, Frankie Fredericks, that takes me back. He was a, he was a great, great competitor. Fantastic. Yeah, he definitely was. I'm going to take you even further back for my number six. Okay. Uh, born in... 1890 to minor Hawaiian nobility was Duke Kahanamoku. Oh! Or, or to give him his full name, because I know you do like a, an extra long um, <laughs> yes. Polynesian name, Duke Paoa Makoe Hulikahola Kahanamoku. Um, the father of modern day surfing. Exactly. Tubes. Yes, but before that, he won uh, three golds and two silvers at freestyle in the, uh, between 1912 and 1924. So, wow. So he was a hugely successful swimmer. And then went on to bring surfing to Southern California and Sydney while sort of um, touring yeah. on, on with Hawaiian cultural shows in yeah. his later years. There is a, um, there's a surfing carnival in Hawaii. It's a week-long surfing carnival. It's not part of the World Tour. It's just a carnival right. named just, after him. Yeah, he's an absolute um, legend in Hawaii. So, yeah, he is, yeah. Uh, he's a, well... Obviously not technically an independent country now, but it was when he was born, and it should be, and it will be again. So, yeah, well, Hawaii. I'm, I'm um, giving them Duke Well, Kahanamoku. John John Florence, so good they named him twice. He's a Hawaiian. All right. Yeah. Okay. That's but he's followed in the Duke's footsteps. Exactly. exactly. There wouldn't be a John John Florence without the Duke. There Put it go. that way, Tubes. Yeah. All right. My number five. Are we on five? Yes. I yes, think we, we are. are. This is weird. We're going rowing, but okay. we're going to Ireland. Not a rowing hotbed. Definitely not a rowing what hotbed. What have you got from Ireland? I have got the Skibbereen brothers, the O'Donovan brothers, that have put Irish rowing on the map. The O'Donovan brothers. Nice. Now... They won a silver in Rio as a pair, uh-huh. but then they got split up for Tokyo. Uh, but in terms of that, they ended up winning gold. Well, one of them did. One of them did. In the, I think they're in the double skulls or something, but okay. they did it. And it's put Skibbereen rowing on the map. And apparently after their success, Irish rowing, the numbers went through the roof. And I think... I should have looked this up properly, but I think there's an Irish female scholar that's now right. up there in terms of world class because off the back of that. It's amazing how often just one success will actually lead yeah. to a whole lot more for that nation. Oh, people there's a will, pathway. Will just that's jump the, on it. A yeah. massive difference. Just showing it? them that it can be done. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So in terms of that, the O'Donovan brothers have uh, have created opportunity for Irish rowers. Would have been some awkward conversations in that house in that household though. So, so one brother got kept on, but the other one got replaced by someone else, and that's what allowed them to go from silver to gold. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that, that's some tricky stuff. Mm. Uh, my number five. Uh, I'm going to Syria. Uh, and Garda Shua. Okay, uh, this is a new one to me. Well, she was a world champion heptathlete in in the in the nineties. Uh, Ninety five world champion, nineteen ninety six Olympic champion. That's Syria's only really? ever Olympic gold medal. But yeah, God, I missed her. Um, sort of in between, or, or just I think just before uh, Denise Lewis came along, and then we had a succession of, of, of British uh, athletes who were always doing well in heptathlon. Oh yeah, but but Jess 90, Ennis, but, Kelly Sutherland, exactly. But ninety six was Garda Shua's year for wow. Syria. Yeah. Never knew that. Tathlon gold. Well, you mentioned the West Indies earlier. I'm uh-huh. going to go to Granada. Probably their most famous export. Oh, yeah. Karani James. Absolutely. 400 metre runner. What a Fantastic l- runner. Abs- probably, I think, the smoothest runner 
I have ever seen. And people say it about Michael Johnson, but he was quite stiff. He had Karani very, James just floated. Yeah, Michael Johnson had a really idiosyncratic style, which was obviously very effective. But but Karani James, yeah, yeah. The, the commentator always says, "Oh, he just looks so graceful as he as he runs." Yeah, the, the, you don't see the effort. Yeah, and you think now he's, he's having an off day here, but then he, but then he comes as, through. As Ron Pickering or David Common once said, Karani James, he's opened his legs and showed his class. <laughs> Beautiful. Both of those two people are dead by the time Cranny James ran, but there you go. <laughs> it just similar type descriptions would have applied. And it's a tiny island, isn't it? So, so it for, is a tiny island. Yeah, yeah. for them to have a, a, a world and Olympic champion, I think at over the four hundred. Yep. He's no, I think so. Success. Um, yeah, that, that's a good yeah. call. No, no. Um, I'm going to football for my number four. Football. Yes. Okay. Uh, George Weyer. Oh, Liberia! Very well known, of course, but 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 yeah, but being from Liberia, no other. I mean, in any sport, but no. but even in football, it's it's been it's been a classic example of someone who's never going to get to play in a World Cup because he just hasn't got the team to go with him. Yeah. But um, yeah, in in 1995, he was uh, FIFA Player of the Year and, and won the Ballon d'Or. He was the he's the only African ever to win to win those. He had three African Player of the Year titles as well. Um, and, of course, then went on to become president of Liberia. Which <laughs> sort of, did. Sort of goes to show how much yeah. he's respected in, in, in that country. And yep. he named African Player of the Century. So, right. absolutely world-class footballer, yeah. but from a country that was just never going to put 10 other guys on the pitch to, to afford him any kind of success no. at international level. No, it's exactly right. And uh, yeah. if you can name me another sports person from Liberia, I really, good luck. Exactly, yeah. Good luck. And that's what we're talking I think about it's here. most famous for being the end of Paris Dakar. Oh, is that is that where originally that used to? I think that was the end. Well, hang on. That uh, is, I think I think Dakar is the capital of Senegal. So that, all right, they might, might have gone through Liberia on the way. On yeah. the way, I think. <laughs> Perhaps it stopped there one year on the way. Well, to, it's been all over the place in recent yeah, years, it was, hasn't it? South so. America. Yeah, Paris Dakar in South America this doesn't make any sense. All right, my number three. This is another sports person from a, a country that has got thousands of decent sports people. But this woman is the only one I've ever known to represent this country in this sport. Uh-huh. Carolina Marin, she's from Spain, okay. but she is an Olympic champion, three-time world champion, six-time Super Series winner, first ever player to be a three-time world champion. She plays badminton. From Spain? Yes. Spain's not it's, supposed to be good at badminton. It's either tennis or paddle. Yeah, well, yeah. But and, not badminton. Badminton is the preserve of, well, a little bit of Denmark, but then mostly Southeast oh, Asia. Oh, mostly Malaysia, China. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Indonesia. But So she's done incredibly well to not just compete, but unbelievably like well. Unbelievably well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that recently? Or, yeah, not that long ago. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like 2000s, late 2000, 2010. That's so so impressive. I think she retired two or three years ago. So she hasn't got a doubles partner. There's no one else. Well, no, not just by herself. Enough. Exactly. So yeah, Carolina Marine. Just look her up. And sensational player as well. Yeah. Putting so Spanish uh, but badminton. Spanish on the badminton. Map. Yeah. Olympic Fantastic. champ. Back to the track for my number three. Okay. Kim Collins. Oh yes. Um, I mean, I could I could go through his achievements, but just to tell you that August the twenty fifth in St Kitts and Nevis is Kim Collins Day. Wow. <laughs> That's how important he is. To Did that he win country. the world championship age forty one? He ran sub ten seconds, uh, age uh, age forty one. He's the only man over forty to ever do that. Okay, right. He did get a world cha- a, a world championship gold at hundred meters in two thousand and three. Went to five Olympics, never got a medal there, but he was always there or thereabouts, mm. and had three world championship bronzes to go with his gold, including one in the relay. So he did find three other go- 
guys. Yeah, okay. From his, and maybe a couple of disqualifations that happens in the sprint relay. <laughs> yeah, true. And so Kitts and Nevis did get the bronze there. So that, that, so that was impressive. A uh, bit of a sad end to his career. He was expelled from the, the 2012 Olympic team for missing training. He said he was just punished for spending time with his wife, which does seem a bit harsh. But yeah, he's an absolute legend in St. Kitts and Nevis. He is. Kim Collins. Definitely is. Yeah. Oh, well, St. Kitts and Nevis have some cricketers. That's probably about Almost it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to stick with my female racket sports for my number two okay this is squash this is nicole david oh yes very good call world class world number one for 108 consecutive weeks Uh her nickname is the duracell bunny Uh eight times world open champion six times british open champion i can't tell you apart from there was a formula one driver from malaysia i think alex young wasn't he yeah but not a good one no exactly not a good one yeah malaysia don't i mean they have some they've got a couple of track cyclists but for her her to do so well in squash that's yeah especially squash where you don't associate malaysia with squash we just talked about badminton they do play a lot of badminton play a bit of setback tack raw but um, not on the world stage of malaysia it's it's, it's egypt who are weirdly dominant in squash isn't it and formerly pakistan that's right australia and the kiwis i suppose david from malaysia yeah Yeah. but she was rampant for yeah. a long, long time. And, and that's fairly recent. Is she, is she, st- st- she retired in 2014, I think. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Now a sports scientist. Good stuff. Uh, number two for me is Flora Duffy, the 2020 uh, triathlon Olympic champion. Yep. And she is from Bermuda, she which is. is the smallest country ever to win an Olympic gold medal. Right. Yeah. Bermuda. That was in her fourth Olympics. She yeah. had won the Triathlon World Series in 2016, yeah, yeah. 2017, 2021. So she got plenty of previous. Uh, and then she finally got the Olympic gold. Right. And put, put Bermuda on the triathlon. Yeah, no, no disrespect to David Hemp and Dwayne Leverock there. No, obviously, yeah. Couple of couple of cricketers, <laughs> big names, big yeah, people yeah, yeah. in some cases, but Flora Duffy, genuine world class. Well, I hope our number ones aren't the same too, because I, I, I mean, we've kind of drawn a uh, broad sword to this, which is quite cool. Let's I think we've we covered a lot of sports. Absolutely. I'm sticking with golf. We're going to Fiji. Oh yes, good. VJ Singh. Absolutely. I mean, Fijian have, uh, you know, they've got rugby players. Yeah. And not yeah. a lot else. But it's always felt strange to me that they had this world-class golfer. And he really was. He, he was world number one. He won 32 majors, weeks as he? world number one in yeah. a very competitive field. Absolutely. He won three majors. This is in the sort of Tiger Woods, Ernie Els, oh, Mickelson That's era. exactly right. Yeah. He was, he's not competing against nobodies. He's up there knocking possibly a lot of the best players of all time. Yeah. Off. I think coming might, from Fiji, it might have been called the Big Four for a while. Actually, with oh, him being part of I that, think, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, you're probably VJ right. Absolute class athlete, good yeah. call. Yeah, I like it. Whereas I've gone to weightlifting in Nauru for my number one. Ah, oh. Marcus, Marcus Stephen. Uh, seven golds and five silvers in the Commonwealth Games in the in the 1990s, but perhaps more impressively, because Commonwealth weightlifting isn't that strong, yep. um, a world silver in the 62-kilogram okay. cl- clean and jerk in 1999. You know, the, you know what the issue in the Commonwealth Games was? What's that? They used to issue a gold for the clean and jerk, a gold for the snatch, and a gold for the overall. So any decent weightlifter was winning three goals. I, see. So, I yeah. think that might have changed now. So more potential stat padding to be done there. A lot but, of stat padding. Yeah. But, but congratulations still, to Nauru. Coming from Nauru and doing that well. I mean, the Nauru Wrestling Federation was basically founded just for him. <laughs> uh, Brilliant. And then a few years later, after he'd competed, he, he competed at the Olympics for Samoa in 92, because Nauru just wasn't, wasn't oh, on no. the map. But then Nauru founded their Olympic committee just for him, and he competed at two Olympics oh, for, for Nauru as well. Love that. Uh, inducted into the International Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2005. And then George Weyer style, went on to become 
president of Nauru. Oh, uh, <laughs> In 2007, awesome. before resigning in 2011 amid uh, corruption oh, allegations. Okay. So, oh. yep, uh, that's the end Brilliant. of the story. Loving it. Marcus Stevens. Well done, Nauru. Yeah. All right. Hey, did you hear about Kevin? No. He's in Australia too. Spreading himself a bit thin. Yeah. Everyone wants a slice of Kevin. Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Leagues, beef up your snack life. Hey, this is Toddy Goldsmith, and you're listening to 365 Days sport oh that music can only mean one thing we oh it's a quiz people it's Let's the last this. one of uh paul tooby's tenure in rob's chair we're tied at one each so this is decider, one each as it? i mentioned earlier yeah. tubes is ranked in the uh, top 25 <laughs> of the world quiz league oceana region <laughs> Defending his uh, top 25 place on this show, because it's now an official ranking tournament, this show. Of course. I've just been uh, given the uh, go-ahead by the uh, World Quizzing Organization, the WQO, (laughs) in the Oceana region. (laughs) All right, we ask each other three sports trivia questions. There are five points to be gained in each question. There may be more, but you can only get a maximum of five. So, it is... The most out of 15 as we take on question one. Six British Formula One drivers have raced over a 100 grand prize, but never won the world championship. Who are those six drivers? You can just get five. Let's see how I go. Um, the, the only one that really springs to mind is David Coulthard. Yes, David Coulthard is definitely one of them. Now, over 100. Probably fairly modern because there's so many more Grand Prix now than there used to be. Let's try Johnny Herbert. Johnny Herbert is there, 165 Grand Prix. Oh, Coulthard, 247 Grand Prix. If you want to to just up your stats knowledge there. Oh, another one speaks to mind, of course, because he's he's on the commentary now. Uh, Martin Brundle. Martin Brundle is definitely there, 165 Grand Prix for the Brund. Maybe, just maybe, Derek Warwick. Derek Warwick, 162 Grand Prix. Excellent. The old uh, McLaren, I think, uh, Derek Warwick. Oh, now you said British, didn't you? British, yes. I think under the Northern Ireland clause, maybe Eddie Irvine will... Eddie Irvine is definitely British. So I think I've got five You there. definitely have got a full house there. I wonder who the sixth one is. Oh. I think he was another McLaren driver, actually. This dude, probably in the 80s. Oh, probably he's a little bit before my time then. Oh, well, my dad would have been watching then, but uh, no, you're going to have to tell me that one. John Watson. John, Yeah, I wouldn't have got that. So yeah. I'm pleased with my five there. Oh. Good, good get. Good Excellent. get on the five. Rugby for you. Oh, yes. Uh, the main thing that you and I do together, other than a, a occasional podcasts, is watching Melbourne Rebels. We do. Yeah. Well, we turn up. <laughs> we sit there and have a chat while, while they lose in the background, don't we? Uh, but we occasionally talk stats, and therefore you might be able to have a crack at the top five uh, Rebels appearance makers in, in the history of the franchise. Reese Hodge. There's one. 87 games. I'm going to struggle with... Uh... I can't think who's ever been there. I'm going to go There's for... a high turnover, isn't there? Yeah, massively high turnover. Yeah. Pony Fatamusili. Mm, he, he might get there, but he's, you know, he's nah. not there yet. Nah, no, i got no idea. I'm going to say... Who else has been there a while? Oh, Billy Meeks! No, no. not there yet. No, no well, no. he won't be there, no, but no, he's, he's gone. On, didn't he? Um, he's 50, I don't think. I can't think of anyone that's been there a while. Sort of back in the early days. Sterling Mortlock. Again, no, that's another miss. Have you got one more guess? Yes. Come on, see if you can get one more of these. Um, who was that hooker? That was uh, he was a Wallaby hooker, Adam Fryer. 
Oh, he was very early, wasn't he? But he didn't yeah. hang around long enough didn't to he? make the list. No. I think he got injured. I think he's still around, but hes uh, I don't think he played. The top five are Mitch Inman with 81, Laurie Weeks with 85, Hodge in third with 87, Luke Jones 88, and... Luke Jones? Who's yeah, he? He was a lock, occasional <laughs> occasional flanker. Um, a, a, a occasional sub, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Or probably more a regular sub. Forwards get capped off the bench, don't they? But with 97 caps, Tom English... Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tom English makes sense. Yeah. All right, up your street here. Okay. Wimbledon's on. In the last 25 editions of Wimbledon, yes, that's since 1996. Name any player that has won any two out of the five titles available in a single year. Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? I can tell you now, there's seven that have done it okay might be more on the women's side because they're more likely to do doubles alongside singles like I'm, so I think two of my guesses are going to be Serena and Venus you can have those two in the last 25 years that's yep. going back far enough then see Navratilova she was still winning mixed doubles titles but probably not oh it's worth a try is it Go on, Navratilova. No. No, not quite getting the women's doubles. Don't think she won the women's doubles. I think that I saw her name not in the mixed quite a bit. Yeah. Even late on. Yeah, into the 2000s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'll go for double specialists now who would have got maybe the mixed and... Uh, uh, so let's... Two more guesses. I'll try Bob and Mike Bryan. I've never won the mix. Never won the mix? Nope. No. Okay. Just, the, just. Oh, the, you went the two. Bob, yeah. oh no, so two guesses, no good. <laughs> so you just got two. Yeah. I can tell you, Martina Hingis, 2015 won the women's doubles and mixed doubles. All oh, right, 2015. She, yeah, she sort of had a comeback as a doubles yeah. player, didn't she? Uh, Lindsay Davenport won the women's championship and the women's doubles in '99. Singles and doubles. There, yeah. uh, Jana Novotna, the year before, women's singles, women's doubles. Okay. Helena Sokova in '96 won the women's doubles and the mixed doubles. Right. Here's the two crunches. Leander Paez, oh, yeah, India, men, men's doubles and mixed doubles. We just talked about the 10 most interesting sports people from nations that aren't very good. Zimbabwe's own Cara Black. Cara Black, yes. The, uh, 04, women's doubles, mixed doubles. Yeah. Her, Double her, specialist. Her, her brother was a tennis player. Wayne! Yeah, yeah, that's right. A bit, of a bit of a tennis family from Zimbabwe. Well, I've got Wimbledon as well for, for my second question. Oh, really? Um, it's it's, it's the, the men's singles. Yep. Taking out Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. Yep. Other than those three, who are the five most recent Previous men to win winners. the men's singles title? Andy Murray. Yes. The guy owes me fifty thousand dollars. Leighton Hewitt. Okay. <laughs> He's like there, isn't he? Story. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, he is there. Two thousand and two, he won it. Two thousand and two. Murray won it twice, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyone in between Hewitt and the others? Oh. Didn't some nobody win it last year? No. Oh. Wasn't it a Russian guy or something? No, no, okay. Oh, are we going to go back as far as 96? Like, the stick. Michael Stick. Uh, he comes in before this. Does think, he? Okay. I think Stick's year was 91. No, so we're ooh. not quite going back that far. Oh. 96 is an interesting year, though. That, that, that That's one that I you need. See. Ah, Ivan Isovich. Ivan Isovich, but that was 2001. Okay. Yep. Um, so 96 is the one so I need. You can have one more guess. Well, there's a more obvious one as well. Oh, okay. 96. All right. There's a more obvious one as well. Stan the Man Rowinka. Did he win Wimbledon? Oh, he hates grass. He's oh, rubbish on grass. Oh, okay. All right. That's my five. Um, 
There's a more obvious one than that. Well, yeah, because actually, um, between 96 and 2001, oh, Rafter. You, had, you had Sampras just Sampras. Oh, So Sampras yeah. would have been the correct answer there. Oh, Rafter, Rafter, did, Rafter, he didn't win Wimbledon. No, he, he lost he a couple of US finals. He, he lost yeah. that Ivanisevic To Ivanisevic, yeah. But then 96 was, was Richard Krychek, and that would be oh, the fifth answer there. Yeah, the Dutchman. Yeah. I teased this in the break, so people wouldn't have heard it. You ready? I think so. It's a pointless style question. Okay. England have now used 706 test cricketers. Congratulations, Jamie Overton, number 706. Name any five players that fall within five of the hundreds as their test playing number, (laughs) not including the 700s, because that's too easy. So you've literally got 66 players to choose from. I will give you the years. Okay. Because otherwise it's a bit tough. All right. The 600s, so you've got between 595 and 605, come between 1999 and 2001. Okay. The 500, so between 495 and 505, 82 and 84. Oh, all the way back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, between 395 and 405 is 1959 to 1961. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. Then, yeah. Because I'm not going to try and guess any further okay. back than that. All right. So I've got three little, little areas to, to yeah. go for there. Debuts around 99 to, to 01. Um, Flintoff. Be thereabouts. Not on the list. You've got a long list there that you It's not in he's not in the between the five nine five and six oh five. No, okay, he might have David. That's a, bit, a good Yeah, he might have David a bit earlier than that, I suppose. Um who else might be there though? Uh, uh Michael Vaughan, I'll try, try Well him. he's the famous number six hundred, oh, so he is. yes. Okay, so I've got that one. Alright, I'll I'll jump back a bit now. I'll try eighty two to eighty four for a bit. So I know who debuted in in eighty two. So let's try Alan Lamb. He did debut in 82. No, not between 495 and 505. I bet he's 494, you know. He probably is. Okay, let's try one more from that era. Graham Dilly sort of areas. Not in the 11. Good guess, though. Okay, uh, I've got to try one from 59-60 to see if I can pull one out of the hat there. Uh, So who who was making test debuts around about that time? Well, that could be Fred Titmus. Cool. Not, oh. not in that area, unfortunately. But Moore, great efforts, yeah. Oh, that was a fun you one. could have had Chris Reed, Ed Giddings, Darren Maddy, Chris Adams, Gavin Hamilton, the Scotsman. Oh, so obscure. My Chris goodness. Schofield, Matthew Hoggard, Marcus Triscothic, Ryan Sidebottom, Ian Ward. I nearly said Triscothic. From the 80s, Derek Pringle, Ian Gregg, Eddie Hemmings, Graham Fowler, Vic Marks, Norman Cowens, Nick Cook, Neil Foster, Chris Smith, Tony Piggott. Uh, the Jesus 60s, Christ. Ken Taylor, Jeff Puller, Harold Rhodes, David Allen, Bob Barber, Peter, Peter Walker, the Welshman, Doug oh, yeah. Paget, John Murray, Jack Favell, Alan Brown, Eric Russell. Um, I tried to show by a bit there. Yeah. Trying some different eras. I should have the, just stuck the to 99. 37, 38, Jim Park Senior, Arthur Wellard, Dennis Compton, oh. Austin Matthews, Cyril Rochburg. Rushbrook, Rushbrook yeah. Bill Edrich, Reg Sinfield, Doug Wright, Fred Price, Arthur Wood, Paul Gibb, uh, the 20s, Alfred Dipper, Jack Dunstan, John Evans, Nigel Hay, George Brown, Andy Ducat, Wally Hardinge, Jack White, Charlie Hallows, Charlie Parker, Andy Sandham. If you want, 1896 to 1896, C.B. Fry, Martin Hawk, Tom Hayward, oh, Arthur Hill. Fry, I know he's the most famous one. Yeah. Uh, Dick Lilly, Ranjit Sinji. Oh, yeah, big name. He's number 105. If, I, if I'd allowed you at 696 to 705, go on, have a quick stab. 
Oh, so recent days. Recent ones, yeah. Matt Fisher, uh, yep. Saqib Mahmood, yep. uh, Sam Billings. Yes, 700. Who else is coming recently? Oh, uh, Alex Lease. Yes. And, oh, can I get one more of those? Um, well, Ollie Stone? No. no. He, no he's a bit I think he got capped a bit earlier. Yeah, I guess he did. Yeah, off the top of my head, then that's that, that, that's a that's a handful. There's, there's you, one haven't. glaring, or a couple of glaring. Dan Lawrence, Ollie and Robinson, Matt Parkinson, Matt Parkinson, yeah, and obviously yeah. Matty Potts. Yeah, of course. Um, the outlier is number six nine six. Officially, is Mr. Alan Jones because he got his he got, cap. Yeah, and they refused to change the but, numbers. But, but, yeah, because he just, played against the rest of the world. That's right, and they've given it test status. I heard about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so you've got uh, eight so far, and I've got. Five. Well, for okay. the win. Chance to overtake me here then. <coughs> I'm going to take you back to the 7th of October 2001 and a cricket match on the Gold Coast <laughs> between, let me just bring this up, between Kumara <laughs> and Helen's Vale. Kumara Hope Island, Helen's Vale, yeah. Yep, with the score at 102 for 9 on debut at number 11 in walks Kieran Blake and proceeds to smash 105 of 55 balls. Phenomenal. What a performance. But this question isn't about the number 11, it's about the other 10. Yeah. Can you name any five of your 10 teammates on that day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Porter. Yep. Mitch Rowing opened the bane. Yep. Drew Paternoster was the captain. There you go, yep. Anthony Ramsden was number 10, about it with me. That's right, yep. Uh, Jason Wicks played. I've got a C Wicks. C Wicks. Oh, Jason was his brother. Craig Wicks is. <laughs> Mitch Robinson. Michael Robinson. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Open the batting. Oh, Jason McCander. That's right. Yeah. He played. <laughs> um, there's a few that hardly ever played again. They were in awe of the beef. There's always going to be 50-50 whether you got five or zero here. <laughs> yeah, I, it was. I didn't know how well you'd remember them. Yeah. Clearly, you remember your team. Oh, uh, Jeff Linderman was a wee keeper. Yeah, well yeah. played. Yeah, yeah. You certainly got. Oh, the, you the played into my uh, my hands there. That was. Uh, I just thought I'd give you a chance to just just remember that day and. Uh, I remember that day. Don't moment. worry about it. <laughs> remember that day, <laughs> like it was the back of my hand. Fifty-five well balls. Uh, there's a quirk to that. Brought up my fifty and my hundred with two with sixes. Oh, well played. Done, yeah. it, done it with, with a plot. Did it with style. Both well, the same shot. Got a straight drive super. over the bowler's head. Any video footage? There is no video so, footage. So See, if it was 10 years later... Oh, be all over YouTube. Be everywhere. <laughs> we would have just... You know, I've, I've actually toyed about doing a kind of a, a pseudo-documentary, going back to the ground, getting the players that were there... Not quite a recreation, but just to do it as a 30 for 30 style documentary. I think someone else is supposed to do that about you. You're not supposed to just interview Nobody all your teammates and say, wasn't I brilliant? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't quite work that Why way not? around. Does it? Why not? <laughs> Would have been great. Well, uh, I've, I've given you the win there, haven't oh, I? I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> no worries. Um, all right. I know you're flying um, very, very soon. So yeah. how is this? Women get shock of their life after boarding EasyJet flight. A group of women were in for a shock when they found out their allocated seats on a flight didn't exist. Daisy Barr and her friends wanted to spend their holiday were allocated row 26 on an EasyJet aircraft. However, they were baffled to see it as standing space. <laughs> the TikTok video showed her squatting where the seats were to be, and her pals were standing there with their passports in their hand looking for the crew. But the crew didn't care. They just said, find 
some other seats. What, literally standing room only on the plane? Is that... Yeah. <laughs> what are they supposed to do? Luckily, there were some other seats to sit on the plane. But if the plane was full, what are you going to do? Yeah. This is, says, we obviously didn't stand up during the flight. We just went and found some empty seats. No one helped us. Luckily, there were some empty seats. Somebody else chimed in, said uh, they faced a similar situation when flying with EasyJet recently. No this, way. This literally just happened to me with EasyJet on both flights. They just told me to sit in somebody else's seat. And the person then just shouted at me. I mean, I know these are no-frills airlines, but a seat, that's, yeah. that's, that's not you a frill, d- You generally it? do need a seat, although others made jokes about standing room flights. And didn't the CEO of Ryanair do an interview where he said he wanted short-haul flights to be standing so he could fit more people on the I plane? I hearing that, yeah. yeah. People started mentioning it. Yes. Uh, Daisy Barr has recently done a follow-up video, said she has received a £41.93 refund from EasyJet for not having a seat. Isn't that kind? £41.93, that's the cost of a seat, is it? There you go. That is the cost of a seat. Didn't mention her holiday at all or anything like that, but uh, imagine jumping on a plane and finding out you haven't got a seat. I really hope that doesn't happen on Sunday night with two kids on a long It's a flight. long way. Exactly. What airline are you flying back to the uh, UK? We're, we're with Qantas. Um, oh, okay. So they Dubai, be, they via Dubai. After us. QF9. Yeah. And then straight into Birmingham. Oh, I don't know. Oh, oh straight into Birmingham. Time. So you QF9 right. to Dubai, and then uh, I don't know what number that is from Dubai to uh, There's a man BHX. He's, he's done a lot of flying. But uh, yeah, we're just, we're just hoping to survive it with that too much screaming, really. Yes. Yeah, yeah you'll be all right. It, QF9's a morning flight or lunchtime. Morning-ish, isn't it? So uh, it's not too bad. It'll be okay. Yeah. It's 14 hours to Dubai. It's, that's, a, that's a cruncher. It's only an hour yeah. turnaround, though. Oh, I don't know about Birmingham. London to Heathrow is an hour turnaround it's, in Dubai. We'd so. like to keep the transfer fairly short, but not so short that we're running. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, you just... A couple of hours, I think. That flight, you normally just get out the gate, walk around, get back on the same exactly. plane. Yeah, pretty it's, much. It's not too bad, yeah. but uh, I don't know about Birmingham. Yeah, just, yeah. Try, just try and get there in one piece, basically. Yeah. Well, mate, it's been an absolute blast having you on for the last three weeks. We've talked a lot of sport. It's been a lot of fun. Apologies again to the listeners for talking a lot of sport. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been good. (laughs) It's been very different. We haven't covered too much sports news, but uh, we've uh, thrown our... Delved into sports history a bit, haven't we? As well, our hefty uh, reputations and opinions about certain things in the sport. We've got to thank Julian Cook. Got to thank you for suggesting Jillian Cook. What a fantastic guest! Great fun having a chat with her. She, yes. she, she was great. Was very, and, very good. Really educational as well. The, yeah, the, yeah. The, the stuff about about skeleton and luge not being the same thing at all, but one being much scarier than the other was that was, surprised me. Yeah, really interesting stuff. Really did surprise me. But yeah, uh, yeah it's been uh, an absolute ball. So in terms of uh, well, if Rob just can't be bothered anymore, I mean, we know where to come now. I'm There's no Gavin Ingham, Hugh Ewinger, or any other blow-ins from now. On. I am your number one, number two, as it were. Yes, that's exactly right. So uh, we, uh, no, it's been an absolute ball. We've had a, I've had a blast actually. It's been, uh, been a change, indeed, for the good. Absolutely, well, change good as holiday, as they say. And you're going on holiday, and I'm not having a change. So. <laughs> Rob's back. He'll be re- revigorated, hopefully. I'm just going to keep on listening to 2018 uh, podcasts <laughs> and, and see, see, see how you guys go. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I spend plenty of time with you and Rob in, in, in my podcast world. Yes. Oh, that's why we're top 10 in the charts. Exactly. Yes. Uh, we have to thank Jack Link's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. Make sure this week, too, before you get on that plane, buy a I massive slab of Jack Link's Beef That'll Jerky. Get me through. It will. Yeah. It'll keep your sons chewing. You know, I wish I could fill in with jerky, but they're vegetarian. So it's, it's jerky is just for me on the really? plane, unfortunately. Yeah, I'll, I'll just have to share some prawn cocktail crisp with them. Though, okay. I'm pretty yeah. sure there's no actual prawns in there. There definitely isn't any, yeah. any prawns in there. I can guarantee that. <laughs> If you're on a long-haul flight, if you're going to watch sport this weekend, make sure to jump out to the local supermarket, whether it's Coles, Woolworths, IGA, or any other part of the 
Woolworths, not Woolworths, the supermarket networks, Indeed. Jack Links will be there. Mm. All right. I have some jerky with some international rugby this weekend. There's plenty of that going oh, on. Oh, there is. Yeah, all the Whoa, tests are coming up. Yeah, so. it's England, Australia this weekend. Wales uh, in South Africa. That's right. There's, I'm Ireland sure. In New Zealand. Ireland in New Zealand. And Scotland and Argentina. So it's all happening. Yeah. What a weekend of rugby. Yeah. Oh, I've missed my rugby. It's only been a couple of weeks. So yep. let's be get good to, to jump on that bandwagon. All righty. Get your jank links, people. It is the food of astronauts. Remember that. This has been episode 254 of the greatest sports radio show on the planet, 365 Days of Sport. Goodbye.